Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. O Lord my God, Thou searchest me. My heart and mind are known to Thee. Nothing is hidden from thy eyes. When I sit down and when I rise, and from afar thou art discerning my thoughts and hopes, my secret yearning. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. <clears throat> I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance Family Conversation, and as always, it's great to be with you. And uh, we always like to start off our conversation with Mary. Mary's the mother of God. Mary's the mother of the church. Mary's the mother of each and every one of us. When we pray the Hail Holy Queen, we invoke Mary as our life, our sweetness, and our hope. Therefore, let's ask Mary to pray with us, to pray for us, and to be with us as we journey towards our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Pray the prayer now, my friends, that Mary loves most, and that prayer is the Hail Mary. Together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Well, let's turn to our spiritual director. Our spiritual director is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has uh, many different titles. The Holy Spirit is known as the Paraclete. Holy Spirit is also known as the Gift of Gifts. Holy Spirit is also known as the Sweet Guest of Our Souls. Holy Spirit is also known as our Counselor. Holy Spirit is also known as our Consoler. 
Holy Spirit is also known as our interior master or teacher. St. Paul reminds us. He says we, we don't really know how to pray as we ought. But the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans so that we can say Abba. Abba, which means Daddy or Father. So let's lift up our hearts, our minds, our souls to the sweet guest of the soul and beg the Holy Spirit to give us a lot of light in our mind. Let's beg him also to grant us the grace to have the fire of God's love to burn within our hearts. As we pray, come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. Thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us by the same Spirit may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady Guadalupe, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. St. Gabriel, pray for us. St. Raphael, pray for us. St. Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. St. Maria Faustina Kowalska, pray for us. St. Jose Maria Escobar Balaguer, pray for us. All God's angels and saints, Pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. So we'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance Family Conversation. And as is always my custom, especially today, which is Sunday, in which we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Every Sunday should be seen as a mini-Easter. We celebrate the Paschal mystery that Christ truly rose from the dead. Alleluia. We like to offer special intentions for all of you, placing them on the altar in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. So I'd like to offer these special intentions for you and your family. 
first of all that as we start off this new week Sunday the day of the Lord that all of us today and this week will try to be open and docile to the Holy Spirit let's try to be open and docile to the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit will send us inspirations there's always the dynamic of the good spirit and the bad spirit working on us you can follow the acronym BUT be aware understand take action once you're aware of a good inspiration coming from the Holy Spirit once you recognize it say yes and follow that inspiration My second intention, I'd like to pray for all of your family and family members. On a continual basis, we're praying that many of your family members who have maybe walked away from, they've walked away from God, they've walked away from the church, they've walked away from confession, they've walked away from the reception of the Eucharist, that they would come back. Really, it's never too late. It's never too late to come back to God. The father of the prodigal son always has his arms open to receive us. We just have to return. He's always present there to receive us with open arms. So let's pray for our family members who have walked away from the loving embrace of our loving Father and they would return. Hopefully through a good sacrament of confession and then returning to God Himself in the church. My third intention that I'd like to make would be with all of you placing on the altar a prayer of gratitude, thanksgiving, humble gratitude, thanksgiving for what happened on Friday. Not only was Friday the solemnity of the most sacred heart of Jesus, yesterday was the immaculate heart of Mary, but Friday was a momentous moment, event in the history of the United States, which I'm sure all of you are aware of. Friday, the Supreme Court with a decision six to three overturned the court decision Roe vs. Wade. Roe vs. Wade, I'm sure you know, Roe vs. Wade was a court decision that was made in 
in the year 1973 in which the Supreme Court legalized abortion in our country. And of course this abortion is the killing of innocent babies. So this was a, a momentous a momentous moment in our country in which the Supreme Court ruled as uh, overturned Roe v. Wade decision, announcing that it was a, an egregious blunder, it was a wrong decision that was made against human rights. So I'd like to um, offer in my Mass a prayer <coughs> A prayer of thanksgiving. Prayer of thanksgiving for this victory which the United States of America, by that victory, we're giving good example to the world. Thanks be to God. Finally, we're giving good example to the world. So, my friends, just giving you a liturgical perspective, then we'll move into the riches of the Word of God. We ended Easter season with the celebration of Pentecost. Pentecost is the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles, the birthday of the church close to mind our own baptism and our own confirmation, which we received the gift of gifts, the Holy Spirit. The Sunday after Pentecost, the church celebrates the greatest mystery of our Catholic faith. And that is the mystery of the Blessed Trinity. Never will we be able to plumb the depths of the mystery of the Blessed Trinity. That we believe in, in one God and three separate persons. And they are the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And not, not only is the Blessed Trinity in heaven, but we are living tabernacles of the Blessed Trinity. Once we're baptized and we're living the state of sanctifying grace. That's right. We become living tabernacles of the Blessed Trinity. That's why we call to mind this great gift. Every time we make the sign of the cross, when we make the sign of the cross in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, we're calling to mind that we indeed are sons and daughters of God. We are brothers to Jesus Christ. And we are living tabernacles of the Holy Spirit. The Sunday after that, which was last Sunday, we celebrated Corpus Christi, which the church, the Catholic Church, Express, expresses his great faith, love, and devotion 
to the greatest gift of Christ, which is the Eucharist. The Last Supper was the first Mass, where Jesus instituted two sacraments, the Sacrament of the Most Holy Eucharist and the Sacrament of Holy Orders. So we render praise, thanksgiving to our Lord for giving us this greatest of all gifts, the Most Holy Eucharist. Then, last Friday, we celebrated the Solemnity of the Most Sacred Heart of Jesus, which is the, the clearest symbol of love. Jesus said to St. Margaret Mary Le Cook in the 1600s, as he appeared to her in the convent of Paris-le-Monial, France, Behold, Behold the heart that loves so much and has received only in gratitude and return. Console my heart. Behold the heart that has received that behold the heart that's loved so much and receives only in gratitude and indifference and coldness. Let's pray that we'd always be grateful and loving toward the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Yesterday, after we celebrate the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and we celebrate the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So that being said, my friends, We should recognize that we can find refuge in two places. In the Sacred Heart of Jesus and in the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Those, are, those should be our haven, our refuge, our oasis, where we can find true solace and peace in the Sacred Heart of Jesus and in the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So uh, let's enter into our conversation and I have a pers- just a personal um, anecdote today June 26th 68 years ago, uh, my parents were married on this day. My father passed away about five years ago. May he rest in peace. But 68 years ago today, my parents were married in Detroit, Michigan. They like to make a vocational comment. Because the first reading today in the Gospel related to vocation. That's the basic theme of the first reading in the Gospel. Vocation, it comes from Latin vocati, which means call. How God called Elijah and Elisha. The Gospel today, Jesus is calling three different men to follow him. Call. There's a call. 
My parents were married on June 26, 1954. My older brother was born March 27, 1955, which would be nine months and one day after they're married. My brother was born, and I was born 11 months afterward. And I was called to become a priest. Comment I'd like to make is, There was an article in the Homiletic and Pastor Review, which was basically the the um, periodical that came out monthly for priests, the Homiletic and Pastor Review. The editor was a man named Father Baker. And the most uh, priest rectories would subscribe to that. I remember reading an article years ago on the vocational crisis, as today we meditate upon Elisha following Elijah and then Jesus inviting people to call, but they find excuses. They find excuses. Is The article pointed out that, this article I probably read maybe 25 years ago, right around the year 2000, a little bit before, He's commenting on the, the general vocational crisis in the West, in Europe and the United States. And the, uh, the author of that article pointed out that one of the primary reasons Why there was a lack of vocations, he said the contraceptive mentality. Before, when our parents were married, my parents were married, they would get married and, and welcome life. Now many couples get married and try to avoid having children. It's called the overall contraceptive mentality. The overall contraceptive mentality. And Pope Paul VI in 1968, he wrote a very explosive, controversial encyclical which is called Humanae Vitae. which was published against all odds. Modern scientists, even church members, were expecting Pope Paul VI to allow the use of contraception so as to limit population growth. But Pope Paul VI, supported by Bishop Carol Wojtyla, Now John Paul II stated unequivocally that every conjugal act 
that every conjugal act has to be open to the possibility of life. Therefore, any means of artificial contraception is intrinsically disordered. So this article that I'm summarizing from the homiletical pastor review was this. There are vocations out there, but they're being thwarted or blocked or don't come to a full realization is because of the contraceptive mentality. Catholic couples getting married and saying no to life. It's like Jesus is calling and they're saying, not yet. Not yet, but holding off. Holding off on having children. Holding off. saying no to life, or saying later, at a more convenient time. Paul VI also said, if the contraceptive mentality becomes a reality, that's, that will augment immorality as well as even abortions. So, the fact that my parents said yes to life and having eventually nine children, God blessed them with a priestly vocation, yours truly. Another good example, I live with, I live in a community with priests. One of the priests, not, his name is Father Dave, is one of 13 children, 12 boys and one girl. And he actually has a brother priest in Argentina. So the whole point that I'm making as we enter into the readings today is that if Catholic couples can be open to life, open to procreation, open to having the children that God wants to give them, if they can be open, then that is an opening to the possibility of a priestly vocation or a religious vocation. Because indeed, my friends, the harvest is rich and the laborers are very few. The harvest is rich and the laborers are very few. We should beg the Lord of the harvest to send more laborers to work in the vineyard. We should not accept the contraceptive mentality. 
but be open to life. So vocations are out there. But this is the whole idea of the article from the homiletic past review. Okay, say for example, John, Mar- John and Mary, they marry. They have a child, another child, then they say no to more children. John has a vasectomy or Mary has a tubal ligation. They have two children. But God had planned that they have seven children. So five of their children, they're never born. And from those five children, from those five children, God could have chosen one or two of them to become priests or maybe a priest and another one to be a nun. Not, um, I'm not saying that a couple that gets married has to have an enormously big family. That depends upon the couple. But the overall mentality today is to have less children more than more children. True, there's an economic crisis. Sure, true, there are political, there's political unrest. True, the war is not over in the Ukraine. True. True that this pandemic is not over. I'm not going to deny that. I won't deny that. But at the same time, we have to have trust in divine providence, that God will provide. One of the greatest women that ever lived in the, in the church, as well as the world, the greatest woman of the 1400s. Her name is St. Catherine of Siena. St. Catherine of Siena was one of 25 children. And St. Catherine of Siena is one of the women doctors of the church, died at 33 years of age and was the most influential person in that century. Most of her life not even educated. She and her twin sister were born as the 24th and 25th child of the Benincasa family. Not saying that you have to have 25 children. But see, the child not as a burden, but see the child as a gift. The child is a gift. So that's that's a, a gateway into moving into the readings for the day. So at the end of his mission, the great prophet Elijah, 
the great prophet Elijah would be taken up into heaven in chariots of fire. The great prophet Elijah would be taken up into heaven with chariots of fire. Maybe some of you have seen the movie Chariots of Fire. He wanted, God wanted Elijah to choose a follower or successor and that was going to be Elisha. So Elisha, he's out in the field, he's a farmer, he's plowing the field with 12 oxen. Elijah comes up and, and he throws his cloak over Elisha. By doing that, pointing out that Elisha will be his successor. So Elisha asks permission if he can go kiss his father and mother and then say goodbye. Elijah says, go back and have I done anything to you? So Elisha goes and he takes his yoke of oxen, slaughters them. He used the plow equipment for fuel to boil their flesh. And then he gave it to his people to eat. Then Elisha left and followed Elijah as his attendant. So there we have the call of Elisha. Elisha was called by Elijah. And Elisha will, will be asking God for a special gift. And his gift will be this. He'll be asking for a double portion. A double portion of the spirit of Elijah. Wow. Elijah was the most powerful prophet in the world. And Elisha is asking for a double portion of the spirit of Elijah. My friends, we should not be timid in asking God for great things. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says, Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Whoever asks, receives. Whoever seeks, finds. Whoever knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus said to St. Faustina Kowalska, that many people receive very little because they ask for, ask for very little. So following in the footsteps of Elisha, who asked for a double portion of the Spirit, 
of Elijah. Why not today in our lives? Let's ask the Lord with bold confidence for many, many special graces. Let's ask that in our lives we would have an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That all of us will experience an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That all of us would have a real longing, a real desire to become great saints. That like Elijah and Elisha, we ourselves would carry out the triple role that we received in baptism. In baptism, we were called to become priests, prophets, and kings. By prophet, like Elijah and Elisha, we're called to announce the word of God. To proclaim the word of God. In word, but also by our example of life. In word, but also by our example of life. The Responsorial Psalm is taken from Psalm 16. And the antiphon is, You are my inheritance, O Lord. Keep me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, My Lord, are you, O Lord, my allotted portion and my cup, you it is who hold fast my lot. Now we read that word cup. Cup can also be related to chalice. Chalice is related to mass. In Mass, we receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. My friends, if we have God in our lives, if God is present in your life, you're living in His grace, basically you have everything. If God is with us, who can be against us? Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. And Jesus said, I will be with you always. Jesus said, I'll be with you always, even until the end of the world. That's right. Jesus said, I'll be with you always, 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 even until the end of the world. All right, the second reading is this. St. Paul gives us a contrast.
He says we're, we're all called to live freedom. The freedom of the sons and daughters of God. And Paul says the greatest, the, the greatest of all the commandments is the commandment of love. To love your neighbor as yourself. And St. Paul goes on to point out that we're called to freedom. Freedom not to give free reign to the flesh, but rather to the spirit. Now in the spiritual exercise of the program, which many of you have have done I tell the story as we enter into the meditation upon the capital sins of the man that's walking taking a walk through the woods with his son And he says to his son, Son, I really feel as if there's a wolf that is lurking within my heart. An angry, voracious, vicious, malicious, devouring wolf that's within me. There's a walking along. As they're walking along, The child is thinking, well, my father has a wolf within him. What does that mean? The father stops after walking about 10 minutes. He looks into the eyes of his son and says, you know, I also have a, a lamb within me. A gentle, loving, kind, warm, affectionate, friendly lamb that is within me. The son was confused. Now he's even more confused. Wolfman. Now with a lamb within. They're walking for about another 15 minutes. The whole time the, the boys think my father's got a wolf within him, but he's also got a lamb within him. What does this mean? What on earth does this mean? And the son cannot resist anymore and he pulls his father aside, grabs to his sleeve and says, well, dad, look, which of these two is going to win, the wolf or the lamb? So the father rivets his eyes in the eyes of the son and says, Son, who's going to win? Whichever one I feed most. Whichever one I feed most. If I feed 
the wolf of gluttony, I will be a glutton. If I feed the lamb of temperance, I will practice moderation. If I feed the wolf of lust, I will be a slave to my sexual passions. If I feed the lamb of chastity, I will be able to live out blessed are the pure of heart, for they will see God. If I feed the wolf of avarice, greed, money, and possessions will dominate my life. But if I feed the wolf, feed the lamb rather, of generosity, my life will be dedicated to serving God by serving others. If I feed the wolf of sloth or laziness, I'll possibly be like the men in the gospel who procrastinate and they put things off. They say, tomorrow, as they say in Spanish, la filosofía de la mañana, mañana, mañana. But if I feed the lamb of diligence, of hard work, I will be able to work out my salvation in fear and trembling. And with the help of God's grace to save my soul. There's no more important enterprise in this world than to save our souls and to be instrumental in saving the souls of many others. If I give in to the wolf of envy, I'll be living a life of sadness in which I'm always comparing myself to others and what they have and what I don't have. And I'll be living sadness. They say you become green with envy. But if I cultivate an attitude of gratitude and an attitude of admiration of the gifts that God has given to others, then I will praise God in, in His many gifts that He's given to others and He's given to me. If I give in to the devil of anger I will always be impatient with God with others and myself and I'll make it difficult for the lives of others that I'm influencing in my sphere of influence but if I Follow the Lamb of meekness. Jesus who is meek and humble of heart. Then I will be a, a person pleasant to live with. I will be expressing kindness. 
And I will be able to imitate Jesus who said, I am meek and humble of heart. And the virtue of meekness is not so much weakness, but powerful emotion under control. And either we control these movements within our soul, or they control us. And then what Paul is saying, either we become slaves of Christ, or slaves of our passions. That's true. St. Paul is pointing out to the Galatians, either we become slaves of our lower passions, of our desires, of our fallen sinful nature, or we become slaves of Christ. Slavery to Jesus and Mary is the true liberty of the sons and daughters of God. And then, if the devil of pride gets a hold of me, arm wrestles with me, conquers me, overcomes me, then I will always be living a life in which I'm domineering, dominating, arrogantly trying to subordinate others to my own desires. And cause much sadness wherever I go. Proud person causes sadness wherever he goes. However, if I allow the Lamb of, of, of humility to take control of my life, I will be blessed by God because God rejects the proud but God lifts up the humble. Jesus says very clearly, He casts down the proud from their thrones, we pray that in the Magnificat of Mary, but God lifts up the humble. The humble He exalts. So my friends, I've given you a, an analogy, a story that I sometimes use in the spiritual exercises to explain the reading of St. Paul to the Galatians, chapter 5. Where St. Paul says, I say then, live by the Spirit and you will certainly not gratify the desire of the flesh. For the flesh has desires against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are opposed to each other. So you, you may not do what you want, but if you're guided by the spirit, you're not under the law. So let's pray that we would be guided by the Holy Spirit. So the gospel today, you're going to notice, my friends, in the gospel, in the readings of the Masses on Sunday, you're going to notice this, that the there are three readings, usually the Old Testament, St. Paul, then the gospel. 
the first reading and the gospel reading in the Mass on Sunday is usually has the same theme. So the theme of the first reading in which Elijah is calling Elisha to follow him, to follow in his footsteps, to follow up to be the successor of Elijah, to be the new prophet. The theme is vocation or call. And I'm trying to relate this also to our vocation. We're called to follow Christ. One of the impediments is the contraceptive mentality. I always try to apply the Word of God to our lives. So now, the Gospel is taken from Luke chapter 9, 51 to 62. The Gospel of St. Luke presents Jesus as heading toward Jerusalem. He has his face set toward Jerusalem. He's heading on his way to Jerusalem. So Jesus is with the disciples and they have to pass through a Samaritan village. But the Samaritans would not welcome Jesus. So the disciples, James and John, says, Well, should we call down fire upon them to destroy them? Jesus rebukes them. So the gospel today, we have Jesus heading toward Jerusalem now. And Jesus is inviting people to follow him. So the first one, Jesus says, you want to follow me, but listen, the foxes, the foxes have their holes. The birds of the air have their nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So Jesus is pointing out to this man that we cannot be attached we cannot be attached to persons, places, or things. Or even our homes. If we're attached to things, that we cannot have our hearts attached to God Himself. You might even ask yourself in prayer, what are you attached to? What is your disordered attachment that's preventing you from following Christ fully, totally, unreservedly? We all have attachments. What are your attachments? Jesus will go on to say, we can't serve God and money at the same, at the same time. Our God is a jealous God that wants all of our hearts, all times and all places. Then there's another one 
Jesus says, follow me. But the man said, but Lord, let me first bury my father. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. Let the dead bury the dead. You come and follow me. Jesus is saying not to live in the past. Many of us are still living in the past. We have past memories that, that haunt us in the present. Leave the past. Jesus said to St. Faustine, leave the past in the infinite ocean of God's mercy. Leave the past in the infinite ocean of God's mercy. And leave the future to divine providence. And live out the sacrament of the present life. I'm sorry. Live out the sacrament of the present moment. In other words, trust. Trust God. Trust. Trust God. Then Jesus invites another man. He says, come and follow me. And this man says, well, like Elijah, like Elisha, let me say farewell to my family at home. Now Jesus says something interesting. Anyone who puts his hand to the plow and looks behind, to what was left behind is not fit for the kingdom of God. In other words, Jesus is challenging his followers, and challenging us. Not to look to the past with remorse. We've made our general confession, many of us. And the future, not to worry about the future. But rather live in the present moment and trust have great trust, great trust in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So my friends, the basic message today is vocation. Latin vocati, God calls. Jesus is calling, he called Elisha, he called these three men on the road to Jerusalem. Jesus is calling you and me to follow him. Like the Blessed Virgin Mary, let us say, Here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. Amen. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.